media. Um, you know, as we look forward to, to, to the, this year and, you know, the, the things that God wants to do in our church and in our lives, you know, I, I think in myself personally and in this church, there must be more. Like, there's got to be more, God. There's, there's always more. God's always like, there's always more. And, um, you know, do you, do you hear those words going through your mind? You know, there's, there's, there's more. There's something like, there's something else. Like, this is good, but it's not everything. <laughs> you know, God, God's got more for us. You know, there must be more than what I'm experiencing now. And, you know, we can be like the Israelites. You remember when God told the nation of Israel, you've gone around this mountain long enough. You know, turn around and go north, he said. And sometimes I feel like, you know, as a believer and even as a church, we can just feel like we're kind of going around the same mountain. And it's like God's like, you know, there's more. You know what I'm saying? And, and I want that. And, you know, life, our lives can become mundane and predictable and plain and uneventful. They can just become routine. And, um, uh, but none of these things, however, describe God. God's none of those things. In uh, Isaiah 43, the Lord says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I believe God is always doing something new. God is either doing something new. He's revealing something new. He's showing us something new. That There's always a new thing, I believe, that God, that God wants to do in, in, in our lives. And um, see, the Lord is not mundane and predictable. He's not plain or uneventful. He, he is looking for ways to do something we've never experienced before. And Jesus was, was the evidence of this. If you look at the New Testament, and Jesus, which we know was God, um, was the evidence of this truth. The miracles that he performed were none that anyone had ever seen before. You know, imagine, imagine this man, and again, they didn't really know or understand that he was God, that, the, the Jews rejected him, and still to this day, the nation of Israel rejects that Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah, the Savior of the, of the world, and how tragic and how sad that is that they've rejected their Messiah that has already come, that has already been on the cross and, and was crucified and w w was resurrected. But this man comes on the scene, and he begins to do things the world had never seen before. The, the, these miracles and these things, and um, he, he's changing water to wine. They they they'd never seen that before. Uh, imagine what that what that would look like. They have all these these vases filled with water, and then all of a sudden, every one of them just turns to these huge vases of wine. They, things they've never seen before. He's feeding five thousand people with five loaves and two fish. They've never seen that before. The disciples told Jesus it would take a year's wages to pay for the food that, that we would need to feed this many people. And Jesus is on the scene like, I got this. And he, he multiplied the food. And he's raising the dead. He, he's, he's raising the dead. He's, Jesus is commanding the wind and the waves. When the, when, the, when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was in the bottom of the boat, the Bible says, and he fell asleep, the, the disciples woke him up and said, don't you care that we're going to perish? And Jesus just spoke to the wind and spoke to the waves. And what did they do? They obeyed. They, they had never seen anything like this before. And then Jesus is walking on water. 
I mean, I mean, a man, he's walking a ward, and I see just any one of those things would have been enough, I hope, to convince me that he was not just an ordinary man, that he was truly the son of God. But he's doing, he's doing all of these things. See, Jesus changed the atmosphere everywhere he went. The Bible says Jesus is the life. He's the life of all humanity. Apart from Christ, there is no life. Our life is attached completely and wholly in Jesus Christ. Um, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. See, we need an intervention of Jesus Christ in our lives. We, we, need, it, we need an influx of the, of, the, of the presence of Christ in our lives. And see, God, God has not changed. He is still willing and able to do more than we could ever hope, ask, or imagine, the Bible says. Think about that. God, God, God wants to do more than you can even conceive or imagine God wants to do for you in your life. So I'm looking for and I'm expecting more in 2022, and so should you. We, we should all be that. I, I believe part of God moving in our lives and, and even in our church is expectation. Are, are, we, are we expecting it? We, we believe it. We know God can do it, but are we expecting it? And I believe that, that ex expectation makes a connection with the supernatural power of God, and somehow that activates, that activates God. God, God moves. God, God loves when people come expecting. So I, I'm expecting those things. And I, and I believe corporately as a church, we, we are, we are going to become and be, be, be at that place. Amen. The Bible in the Old Testament, um, it mentions, and if you read the Old Testament, you'll see this, and I love when it does this. All throughout the Old Testament, places were given names to honor and remember what it was that the Lord had done in that place. In other words, that when, when God did something miraculous or something remarkable in, in someone's life in the, in the Old Testament, that person that, that, that received whatever it was that God had done for them, they would actually mark or name that place something that relates to what it was that God had, had done for them in that place. And um, in Genesis chapter 22, um, that records the story of Abraham, and y'all know the story of Abraham. God, God had promised Abraham he'd be the father of, of many nations, and Abraham was missing one important component to be, the, to be a father. He never had any, he didn't have a son. He never had any children. And, um, and, but the Lord blessed him and gave him Isaac, and then after Isaac was born, then what did the Lord ask Abraham to do? to go and offer him as a sacrifice, the, the, his, his seed, his only son. God was telling Abraham to go. But look what happens here in verse 13. And this is as he was going, with, he, had, he had already had his son Isaac tied up, bound up, ready to, ready to set the sacrifice. He had the knife drawn, the Bible says. But then it says, Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns, he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And that is also the name the Lord will provide, which where we get the name Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is our provider. 
And, um, but look what Abraham said. And imagine Abraham, see, he was willing to go through with it. For all practical purposes, the knife went down. He, he, he sacrificed his son Isaac. But imagine a father looking and seeing the, the provision God had made as a substitute for his son Isaac. And, and he said, he called that place, the Lord will provide. So he named that as a, as a memorial, as a remembrance that God provided on this day. And then in Genesis chapter 32, um, you know the story of Jacob when he was wrestling with God. And, and, and then in verse 30, he said, so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So Jacob named the place where, God, where, where he had wrestled with God and seen God. He says, I call this place Peniel. So um, there's many, many other instances like this in the Bible, but the one I want to look at today is found in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. That place was called Baal Perazim, the Lord breaks out. And I believe that's God's message today for the Tabernacle Church. God is Baal Perazim, the Lord who breaks out. He's the Lord who breaks out. And I, I love that, that, that scripture. I love that, I, love, I love that passage there. And, you know, I believe like a dam holding back a river, God is waiting for the opportunity to break out like a flood. I believe that with all my heart. And, and, I, and I believe America has received the lie that God is not doing anything in the world today. And that is a lie from the devil. God is alive. God is working. God is moving. God is saving. God is doing all of these miracles. And God, I believe, is just waiting for the opportunity to unleash everything he has and break out among us in Jesus' name. And, I, and I, I'm believing that, that God's going to do that for us because God is going to give us a heart that wants that. See, we're not going to ask God for something he doesn't want to give us. It's, not, it's something that God, that God wants to do for us. See, God cannot be contained or confined. His strength and power are limitless. Do, do you all understand that? We, we need to be reminded, I think, of, some, of the God we serve. God is not a man. He's not like us. He doesn't act like us or think like us. Or he's not bound by our, by our limitations, by our, our thought process. I think God, God is not like us men. He's God. He's above us. He's greater than us. And, and that's the God that wants to break out. So this God has no limits, and he, he is Jehovah, King of kings and Lord of lords. And I just want to read these here. And the, these definitions, these three descriptions can really only be given to God. And you'll understand that when we read these, and most of you, you've seen this before, but, but God is omnipotent, or he's, his omnipotence what does that mean? 
It means that he's all-powerful. Monotheistic theologians regard God as having supreme power. This means God can do what he wants. It means he is not subject to physical limitations like man is. Being omnipotent, God has power over wind, water, gravity, physics, etc. God's power is infinite or limitless. God is omnipotent. That, that's the God that wants to break out. This omnipotent God that, that has no limitations, that, that, is bound, that is bound by nothing, that, that there's no limits to God, the, the Bible says. And then God is omniscient. What does that mean? It means that he's all-knowing. God is all-knowing in the sense that he is aware of the past, present, and future. Nothing takes him by surprise. His knowledge is total. He knows all that there is to know and all that can be known. I love that. God, 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 God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. In other words, and I, I love that. There's nothing that takes God by surprise. In other words, we think, well, maybe God's caught off guard by certain things that even in your life that are happening, that, well, maybe God doesn't really see this or he doesn't understand or the things happening in our world with, the, with this COVID pandemic and all the different things that are taking place in, in our world is God, is, is God somehow not aware of this? No, he's omniscient. He's, he's all-knowing. Right. He's never caught off guard. There's never anything that you can tell God, and God's like, that surprised me. Thank you for informing me of that. He knows. God, God already knows. And then God is omnipresent. It means he's all-present. This term means that God is capable of being everywhere at the same time. It means his divine presence encompasses the whole of the universe. There is no location where he does not inhabit. That should give us just such pause right now. Just such a peace to know that God, that God completely, complete God is here with us right now in this room. And at the same time, he's all the way across the globe and every continent that there is on the face of the earth. In every language, every nation, every, every place, God, God's presence is the same. What a peace for us to know that. But that's the God that wants to break out among us, this, this all-knowing, all-powerful God. See, he is Baal Perizam, the Lord who breaks out. So I believe the Bible, and the Bible tells me that God has not changed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God, wanting to do the same things that he's done in the past. God still wants to do those things for us today. So let's just look at this, this, this Baal Perizam word. I thought it was interesting when I was studying this. The word consists of two parts, and the first part is probably a familiar word. And if you're not careful, we can kind of get uh, caught off guard by the word, but it's the word Baal, B-A-A-L, which the word means Lord or Master. Um, the, the, the verb for Baal means to exercise dominion over, to own control, or to be Lord over. But what is the other Baal word that we associate with in the, in the Bible, in the Old Testament? The, the false god of Baal. And so, but these words, though they're the same, have two different meanings. And there are, this particular instance here in, in 2 Samuel and other places, the word Baal means Lord, and, it's, and, if, and of course we know here it's applied to Jehovah. 
the one and only God, the, the, the Lord, the, the, the Lord our God. Um, and then the second part of the name is where this gets interesting. The second part of the name comes from the verb perez, meaning to break through. It, it is the plural form of the noun perez, meaning a breach. The verb means to breach or to break. Now look at this, whether through something, out of something, or something into pieces. The noun means a breach or a bursting forth. So listen to this. God, God is the Lord who breaks through, who breaks out, and who breaks up. That, that's what God does. And not, we need all three of those things operating in our lives. I need God to break through. I need God to break out. And I need God to break up some things. We, we need the, we, we need Baal Perizim in our lives. Amen. And, and, I'm, I'm, and, I, and I'm believing that God is going to break out among us. So where does God want to break out? Where does God want to break out? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race, the, the race God has set out before us. Where does God want to break out? In his people. In you and in me. That, that's where God wants to break out. He wants to break out. And I see God is waiting for us to be in a position where he can break out through us. Right. Whereas we, we had to position ourselves in such a way that God can take us and break out among us. So the first thing I believe it takes is we have to have, we have, to have the desire. Think about that. You've got to have the desire. Do, do you even want God to break out in your life? Or are you just content or satisfied with just the way you are as a Christian? I'm not. I want, I want God to do more. I want God to show me more. I want to be more. I want, to, I, want, I want God to break out. So I believe for God to do that, it begins with you and I having a desire. God, do I even desire God to want to, to want to do those things in my life? See, the Bible says, in this passage you read, it says David, he said the Philistines were coming to attack, to attack him, and the, the Bible says David did what? He inquired of the Lord. Da David, David sought the Lord. He, 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 went, he went first to the Lord. And that's what you and I are going to have to do. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. See, this describes the position of someone who is hungry. God, God, God is looking for a church that's hungry. The Bible says those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied. So I'm here to ask you this morning, are you hungry? Are you hungry for more of God? Then God, what does God say? God says, keep on seeking. So don't just seek once. The Bible says just keep going to God. Keep, keep seeking. And I love that, that keep knocking. See, you got some doors in your life. Maybe God wants to open some things up for you. And maybe some of y'all have gone to that door and you've knocked a couple of times and the door stayed closed. And guess what you did? You stopped knocking. But guess what God says? Keep knocking. 
Persistence. That's what that whole part that Jesus was talking about, the persistent widow. What he said, even though, even the judge said, even though I don't want to, even though I don't want to give her what she, give her what she wants because of her persistence, because she's wearing me out, I'm going to give her mercy. I'm going to give her justice. God wants persistence in his house. God, God wants his church to keep on pressing in, to keep knocking, to keep seeking, to keep asking in Jesus' name. So it, it, God wants to wake his church up to stir our hearts to such a place. God, give me a desire. God, and you've got to ask God for that. See, God, God's not going to force himself on us. He's not going to force himself on someone that doesn't want him. But, man, we humble ourselves before God, and we get ourselves in a position where we say, God, I want you. I desire more of you, God. Take me and fill me up and break out, God, among me. I'm here to tell you, God will do that in Jesus' name. God will not resist someone that, that, is, that is earnestly coming after him and asking, asking him to, to fill them up and to change them. So that, that's God's desire for us. we got to keep on knocking and keep on asking. So let me just ask you this. Do you want the Lord to break out in your life? I want that. I, want, I know Troy wants that. Amen, Troy. I love that. Troy's got a heart for God. And there's a lot of times... Troy and I will just be talking, and Troy will just say, I just want more of Jesus. I just, want, I just want more of God in my life. God loves that. God loves that. We're not asking, we're not, that's not a selfish desire. That's a God desire. That's something that's going to do what? It's going to please God. <laughs> that's what God wants. Do you, let me ask you this. Do you need him to break something into pieces? I got some things I need broken up in my life. I know we all do. You got something that needs to be bro broken into pieces. Do you want him to burst forth like a river breaching a levee? I want that. I want that in this church. Then let's begin by asking him to do so. Let's begin to ask. See, that's, that's demonstrating faith. God, do this. Be, be Baal Perazim for us, God. See, just like that scripture verse says in Hebrews, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. See, is there something preventing God from breaking out in your life? It may not be sin. The Bible says, it says, uh, let us strip off every weight that slows us down and the sin that so easily entangles us. So that could be some things that's not sin, but guess what? It's weighing me down. It's, it's, it's slowing me down. It's, 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 it's preventing me from... From God, from God becoming everything he wants to become in my life. And all of us, I think, can name things that compete with our relationship for the Lord. It, you know, it could be social media. You know, it, it could be you know, uh, television or movie. Just different things that, that compete for our time and our energy with the Lord. And God is saying, just, just set those things aside so I can break out. I can just break out in you. Guess what God, that, that's what God wants to do in us. And then, and then is, there a, is there a hidden sin? Is there something that so easily entangles us that, see, sin will prevent the Lord from breaking out in our lives. We just got to lay those things aside. Just, there's no condemnation. There's just, there's just confession and repentance. God, I, I confess that doesn't belong there, and I repent of that, of that in Jesus' name. See, the book of Acts gives us the remarkable transformation of Saul. And y'all know the, the story of Saul 
in, in the, in the uh, New Testament in the book of Acts. Remember, Saul was a, was a persecutor of the church. Paul rejected the name of Jesus Christ. He didn't believe in the name of Jesus. He was, he was out going against everyone uh, that, that believed or confessed the name of Jesus. He was, he was arresting them. And, um, but look, look, but God was waiting to become Baal Parazam in Saul's life. It's like, like this guy, this man that was persecuting the church, God couldn't wait to, to burst out in, into his life. And look at Acts chapter 9. It says, remember, Ananias was afraid to go and pray for Saul, as we would have been too. He, he, Ananias was the person Saul wanted to kill. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God said, Saul is my chosen instrument. I'm telling you that when, when, Saul, when Saul got saved, God became Baal Perazim in his life. And God just, God, just took all, God just broke out in his life. And if you read the New Testament, Saul never looked back. He never turned back. God broke out in his life. God broke things to pieces. God, God did all of those things in his life, just like God wants to do for us. So let this be our prayer that God break out in my life like a river bursting through a levee. See, that was one of the descriptions of Baal Parazam. What was it? A breach. See, we hear that word a lot when hurricanes come. It, 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 breached, it breached the levee. Well, guess what? God wants to breach the levee of your life. God, God, God wants to go and just go over, over the top, just, just engulf you, just, just flood us with God. Become Baal Parazam in our lives, God. We want that in Jesus' name. And then in Matthew 16, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. The, other, the next place that God wants to break out is in his church. God wants to break out in his church. Amen. And, and Jesus said he is building his church, and no power can stand against that. I declare that word to this church today because some of us have been listening to the lies of the media and the lies of the devil and the lies of the world that the church is insignificant, that the church is not essential, that the church is non-existent. I reject that in Jesus' name. The Bible says, Jesus said, I will build my church. Jesus is building his church. I'm not. You're, we're not building the church. Jesus is building his church. And all the powers of hell will not stand against it in Jesus' name. That's what God says. So as part of the church, not just this local church, as a part of the church, the body of Christ across the whole globe, we are connected to something that cannot be defeated in Jesus' name. Aren't you thankful? That's what God, that's what God has done for us. See, the church is not an outnumbered, weak, insignificant, non-essential entity. The church is the bride of Christ, bought and paid for with his precious blood. The church is his kingdom on earth, fulfilling the Lord's will and plan. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, overcomers by the blood. We are an advancing kingdom that cannot be stopped. 
That's what the church is. That's what God's church is. We got to push aside the, the lies of the devil. And your, even your flesh wants to tell you that, 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 you, that we're weak, that we're outnumbered, that we're insignificant. No, we're, we're God's church. We're, we're God's people. Everywhere the nation of Israel went in the Old Testament, they conquered. They, they, they took over. They, they invaded. That's what God wants for his church. It's time for the church to stand up, rise up, and be the kingdom of God that God has called us to be here on planet Earth. Amen. And for God to do that, God's going to have to break out. He's got to be Baal Parazam. God's going to have to break out among us. And he will. That, that's who he is. That, that, that's his name. That, that's what God does. See, God wants to break out among his people. That's who the Lord is. And I, I'm, I'm believing that, that, that God is going to do that, that, that this year, that, that we're going to see breakthroughs in our lives and in our, and in our church that God is going to do these things for us because that, that is who he is. That is who he is. Amen. 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 Well, we, I just wanted to save some time just to kind of pray for this because that's really what the emphasis here is that, that it's not so much talking about it, but it's like us desiring this. It's like, God, I hunger for this. I thirst for this, God. I, I, want, I want Baal Perazam in my life. Amen. Don't you want that? I want that. Stand to your feet. We're gonna, I'm just going to read some more here, and then we're going we're gonna to close with this. And I'm just going to invite y'all to come to the front, and I'm going to ask Lee just to come and just to come and to pray with me. And, and, um, but, you know, um, as I was thinking about those three things, those three descriptions of, of the meaning of Baal, Perazim, you know, where it was the breakthrough, the breakout, and the break into, um, you know, I thought about, you know, breakthrough. You know, and all of us in here can think of different things that God needs to break through for us in our lives individually. But, but here's some things that I came up with I think all of us can identify with. You know, God needs to break through a hard and stubborn heart. You know, I, need, I need God to break through a hard heart. God needs to break through disobedience. You know, Lee, Lee preached on that a couple of weeks ago about, about, about being obedient, obedience to obey is better than uh, sacrifice. And, um, and what about breakthrough of a spirit of laziness and just a, a spirit of heaviness? You know, all these things. See, the world and the ways of the world has a way of causing us to feel downtrodden and, and weighed down and heavy. But God wants to lift, lift those things off of us and break through in Jesus' name. And then what about... What about breakout? What are some ways God wants to break out? Well, God wants to break out of these four walls. How about that? God, God, God wants us to break out of these four walls and into the place where God has put us, into this, into this community, into this, um, into this area God has put us. God wants to break out in power. God wants to break out in the salvation of souls. And God wants to break out with his presence. He wants to break out with his presence. And then what are some things that God wants to break into pieces? Well, every enemy that stands against God, God wants to break them up. That's what uh, the Bible says the Lord did for David. He took the Philistines and he said, he, like a flood, <laughs> like, like Baal, like Baal, Perizim. that's why David named that place because that's the word that he identified with the Lord when he saw what God did to his enemies. Amen. The Bible says like a flood. 
God wants to come against your enemies like a flood in Jesus' name. So I'm believing though, I'm believing that's going to happen this morning in Jesus' name. And then in, in Ezekiel chapter 47, this is a passage where, uh, where, the, where Ezekiel had a vision from the Lord of the river of God, from the temple of God. And, and it, it, says, it says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple and I saw water coming from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the, through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with the measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and then led me through water up to the waist. He measured off another thousand and now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in the river, the, 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 a river that no one could cross. That's what God wants to do. God wants to break out among us like a flood. Not ankle deep, not knee deep, not waist deep. God wants to just flood us just to overwhelm us, that guess what? We're just swimming in God's breakout. That God is just, he's just bursting forth in Jesus' name.